CNBC has quick and easy to understand business news updates at the open midday and close every weekday. Markets, money, and more from Wall Street to Main Street. I'm CNBC's Jessica Ettinger. Follow and listen to CNBC Business News Updates wherever you get your podcasts. Options Action is brought to you by TD Ameritrade, where you gain access to research tools to help you sharpen your trading strategies. Right now in OA, it jumped 25% this week after earnings. It is the most heavily traded option. It is, of course, NVIDIA, and we'll explain how it could earn you even more. Then Lululemon has been moving in the opposite direction. So bad it's good. Is there a way to risk a little on an earnings rebound without bending over backwards? There is. And finally, Ford getting a boost by partnering with Tesla on charging technology. We've got ways to help your portfolio do the same. I'm Melissa Lee. This is Options Action. We're live at the NASDAQ market site on the desk tonight. Mike co Carter Worth, and Brian Sutland. Let's get right to it. Let's get to NVIDIA. After its stunning earnings rally ending in a 25% gain this week, the stock jumped up in the rankings to become the most heavily traded options name in nominal terms. It was already just one of the biggest over the last several months because of its more than 160% run year to date. And here's the kicker. If you own the stock, there is a way to squeeze even more juice from the semi-citrus fruit with options. So, Mike, please explain. Yeah, you know, we we often talk about uh, selling covered calls and how it isn't typically advisable to do that going into big catalysts such as earnings. And it certainly wouldn't have been in this case, would it? This is not, unfortunately, a stock that I happen to own, although we do own several other semiconductor names, and many of them also traded up as basically a benefit, I think, from NVIDIA's very stellar performance here. But once that catalyst has come and gone, and in NVIDIA's case particularly, we have a situation where the stock has has rallied to, I would call it, an extraordinarily uh, level, but implied volatility after that catalyst remains high. Uh, I was looking at this earlier today and the, you know, the June 405, the 410 calls, those were about, call it two and a half to three percent of the current stock price. So if you're fortunate enough to hold this stock, now that that earnings catalyst has come and gone, I think that this might be a very good opportunity to sell some upside calls. I mean, you're yielding two and a half, three percent over the course of just three weeks if you sold those at those levels that I was seeing today and you still have you know, somewhere in the neighborhood of uh, eight, nine percent worth of upside over the next three weeks. And I don't know what's going to get it to go that much higher over such a short time frame, you know, now that we've already had this big pop. Well, Jensen Huang can come out and say AI a few more times. Um, <laughs> Carter, for, for, the, for those who didn't see Fast Money, um, what do you see in the charts here? I mean, doesn't it, when a stock makes such a big jump, is it possible that they've entered sort of a new range higher? Oh, sure. So if you think about uh, any major re-rating, right, when a stock drops and gaps 20 percent, an FDA miss, more people dying than living from the drug or pops like this up, it's it's a re-rating. The stock has been, and rightly so, because of news. I think they had uh, sales were 60 percent above in the quarter what Wall Street was expecting. Uh, the question, though, is once you've been re-rated, not 3% or 4%, 25%, you typically stop there. So when a stock drops and gaps that much or rises that much, it starts to churn. So on an intermediate basis, and you notice that NVIDIA really is where it was yesterday. Yesterday was the news. Didn't do much today. It's likely to be here uh, for quite some time, many, many weeks at least. Ah. Well, Brian, a little bit of a different experience here. You laid out a trade on NVIDIA last week. Um, hedging for more move in the opposite direction. So what are you doing now with that? 
Well, I think when we looked at it, we laid out a trade, right, to buy a put spread heading into earnings in case the earnings picture wasn't that great and you'd be protected to the downside. Now, we only spent about 1% of the value of the stock during that time. So I like what Mike's talking about on selling a call because you can make back some of the premium loss on that put spread as a hedge by simply selling the call on the upside as long as you're willing to be you know, called away above this 400 level. But this is the reason why we buy put spreads as protection into earnings events like this because I only spent a little bit of money. I still got to hold my stock, which we continue to hold for clients. We still have that as part of the portfolio. We mentioned before last week that NVIDIA was my number three weighted stock if I had to pick a top 25 of NASDAQ sort of related stocks. And so this was a way for me to continue to hold the stock, had a little bit of protection and still play to the upside. And look, when they guided higher on their earnings, it wasn't like they guided a little higher for next year's earnings. They guided a lot higher. I think this AI thing is real. I know we always joke about it, but it's sounding more and more real. That's why the market is moving more and more in that direction and why NVIDIA climbed so significant after earnings. So, you know, if you want to recoup some of the loss on the put spread, sell the call like Mike talked about. I still think there's a place here. We're at some critical levels, obviously oversold. I know on Fast Money, a lot of guys talking about overvaluations here, significant levels. So selling the call makes a lot of sense at these levels and continue to hold the stock. All right. Well, even with the big move in individual semis, there could be more room to run. Carter's charting out the group plus one tech name that could continue its recent climb. Carter. Sure. So just to follow on to Money in Motion from Monday, the theme being to be long semis relative to tech, semis have such a long way to go to catch up to both the market and to the overall tech sector. Let's look at a couple of charts. We know, of course, that one week ago, we're looking at a ratio chart here. That's simply one thing divided by another. So it's the tech sector's relative performance to the S&P. We not only got above the 2021 high, if you look at the next chart, for the first time in 23 years, tech has recouped all of its losses associated with the dot-com peak and is now ahead of the market for the first time. But what you'll see, of course, that semis, next chart, are, they're not even close. So. The thinking, and that was the point of the report on Monday, was that semis actually have catch-up potential to uh, the market overall in terms of simply getting back to where they were on a relative basis to the S&P. Now, if you look at actually semis versus the QQQ, this is the real stunner, and you can see it there, we're nowhere near the peak associated with the dot-com boom and bust, which is to say semis were really the outperformer during the froth of 98-99. And semis can climb indefinitely relative basis simply to get back to where the QQQ was. Um, let's look at the semis overall, just on their own. This is the SOX chart, no lines, no drawings, no annotations, no judgments. The first line to put in, a well-defined bottom, cup and handle, breaking above. Second and final chart for uh, the socks. We're in this channel, which would imply further upside to get to the upper band. And do you have a chart on Cisco, Carter? Yes. I thought I'd stop there, but uh, let's look at that as well. <laughs> Two charts on Cisco since you uh, raised it, um, and they're both the same time frame. The first is using the moving average, 150 day, to depict what it is, a bearish to bullish reversal. The idea is to double back here and find laggards to the tech sector and play them. Cisco with annotations, next chart and final chart, you'll see that it has all the elements that the semis had of a cup and handle. It doesn't matter what you call it. It's what a reversal looks like. But here is where you, in a perfect world, I think you reduce some of your NVIDIA if you're so lucky to own it and to put it into something like Cisco 
for a catch-up trade. Hmm. Mike, you got a trade on Cisco. Yeah, I mean, in our long-only strategy, we own a lot of uh, chips. As I mentioned before, unfortunately, NVIDIA wasn't among them. I actually uh, wrote down the ones that we do hold here, so I would not leave anybody out. We have Broadcom, analog devices, applied materials, Marvell, and we own Cisco. And I think of these, Cisco is actually kind of the most interesting on a compare and contrast basis relative to NVIDIA, because, of course, Cisco was the high flyer uh, in the late 90s and into 2000. That was a name that traded up to multiples, not unlike those that we see in NVIDIA today. I think it got up to about 24 times sales, which is very close to, I think, where NVIDIA uh, is trading right now as of today's close. Right now, though, this thing is trading about 13 times earnings. So this thing is actually cheap and it's probably growing EPS at about 8 to 12 percent. Is that super, super sexy? Well, maybe not super sexy, but it's growing faster than the economy and uh, it's quite cheap. And what is also cheap, because we already had earnings, are options. So I think the simple play here, and I realize a lot of people think that uh, maybe this tech run is too far, too fast. I think this is a relatively safe name to be in, but you can actually reduce your risk even further by just going out to July and buying a very close to at the money call. I was looking at the July 50s. Those cost less than $1.50 a contract. You're risking less than 3% of the uh, strike here to make a bullish bet. And you know, if we do start to see some kind of a reversal, if people you know, start to basically fade this big rally we've seen, you're really not risking that much. But if it continues, you will get to participate. Brian, what do you think of the trade? What do you think of Cisco? Yeah, Cisco I like. We have that as one of our leaders in large cap value. And I think there's a place for it in the portfolio. I think there's probably some more upside. Mike spoke to that low 13 multiple or so on Cisco. So I think there's more upside. And then given the cheapness and options that we're seeing, look, the VIX down here below 20, spikes around 18. Uh, the volatility and buy volatilities in the options market is just so cheap compared to what we saw, the type of move we saw in the market today even. You know, that can pay off very quickly for you. So I think that call spread's pretty cheap and, and you get, you know, a big play to the upside there up to that 59 level. That would be a nice price target to sort of sell a call and take profits and, and run on that. But I think there's still some more upside here for Cisco. All right. For everything Options Action, check out our website and our newsletter. There's much more Options Action right after this. Coming up, an earnings season stretch of sorts. Lululemon has lost about 8% in the last month, but with high-end consumers still spending, could the stock start to pick its head up after reporting results next week? We're reaching for a rebound with options. Plus, calling all options action fans. Reach into your pocket, grab your phone, and tweet us your question at options action. If it's nice, we'll answer it on air when Options Action returns. CNBC has quick and easy to understand business news updates at the open midday and close every weekday. Markets, money, and more from Wall Street to Main Street. I'm CNBC's Jessica Ettinger. Follow and listen to CNBC Business News Updates wherever you get your podcasts. Options Action is brought to you by TD Ameritrade, where you gain access to research tools to help you sharpen your trading strategies. Welcome back to Options Action, a short but big week of earnings on deck with retail stocks taking center stage. And one of those names has seen shares go all downward dog lately. So, Mike, how are you playing Lululemon? Uh, well, I mean, people who watch the show will know that this is uh, one of my Holly Index names. 
Uh, downward dog, I, I mean, it might be a little bit unfair. The stock is still up about 6% on the year, but certainly uh, very recently it has been materially underperforming. Now, just a couple quick things about the, the company first. Number one, I mean, their demographic, they sell to a more affluent consumer. My thinking here is that maybe we aren't going to see as much pressure on the consumer side. They have announced that they actually are doing some hiring, and any company that's doing some hiring, I think, that suggests that there is you know, obviously something positive going on. So I think that obviously supports it. Uh, in terms of valuation, 25 times, I would guess, uh, full year 2024 earnings and 15% EPS growth if they hold to those numbers. And of course, if they improve on that. Of course, when you see the recent performance going out and buying the stock, if you don't own it already, as I do, uh, you might be a little bit concerned going into earnings. Now, we talked about not getting short options going into earnings and rather getting long. Although I was actually taking a look at doing both by purchasing a call spread. I was looking at the June 30th expiration, the 350-390. Now, as you probably know, we often try to look for spreads where we can spend a little bit less than maybe 25% of the distance between the strikes. We're fairly close to that. This is a $40 spread. You can spend about $11.65. It's an expensive stock, 340 bucks a share. This is a way you can risk a little bit uh, by buying some premium hoping that it uh, actually catches a bounce coming out of earnings. Brian, what's your take on this trade? Well, I, I mean, maybe there's a catalyst in the earnings call that pushes it higher. Obviously, we've talked a lot about retailers lagging the rest of the market. I'm still kind of in that camp. And, you know, Lululemon obviously is a little bit higher end specialty, uh, call it workout wear, that, that people like to get into. I kind of like a Nike better than a Lululemon right now in terms of valuation basis and, and playing to the upside on that. And so... You know, I might play more to the short side of this, but, you know, given that, I like how Mike is, is structured the trade in a call spread. We talked about buying options, spending less than 25% of the distance of the strikes to do that. So that in itself makes a lot of sense because you're not risking a lot to get an upside play on this stock if you're going to play it to the upside. But I'm a little gun shy on any sort of retailer right now. Yeah, Carter, how does this one look? Well, we've got the circumstance where on its last earnings, uh, the 29th of March, the stock gapped up to 12%. Now, if we look at the chart, we've given back that entire move. And so what you see here is a stock that is sold off to its rising 150-day moving average, having gapped up initially in response to earnings. Of course, we'll get earnings again shortly. My thinking is to play for a bounce off the 150-day moving average. All right, let's get to another big stock that bridges the main areas of retail tech and even the economy at large, some might say. Amazon shares far outpacing the broader market this year, up nearly 43%. But will the prime performance continue? Brian's got a trade. Brian. Yeah, I think if I am going to play retailers, I'm going to stay in the space of Amazon. The reason being is it's not all about retail. I get a little retail exposure, which, you know, I can't have zero in my portfolio on it. And then also Amazon, you get the cloud, you get maybe AI play on there down the pipeline. We know Amazon's always innovating on that sense. And Amazon, a big chunk of the NASDAQ is just kind of getting pulled with everything. So if the NASDAQ continues to sort of push through some of these key technical levels, I think there's room to the upside. However, I don't want to make a bet that's all in on Amazon. I do own Amazon for clients, but I think options are laying out right now through July before its earnings catalyst event to sort of continue to play to the upside. And what I would look to do is simply Look at the July options right now expiring right before earnings. The July 120 strike call, I think, is cheap enough to buy that to the upside. And I can reduce the cost of that by selling a put spread. So I'd be selling the 105.95 put spread. I collect a little bit of premium to lower the cost of the call. 
I'm okay getting long Amazon down at the 105 level. I think if there's either some sort of pullback in the NASDAQ, tech, retailers, whatever, I can buy the stock down there and I'd have the cash sort of to cover that little area of $10 to the downside between the 105 and the 95 strike. But here I get to play to the upside. I'm only spending a net $6 in premium to play to the upside. Break even right there, you see 126. So there's some room to go. If the NASDAQ keeps going, I get to participate. If retailers sort of turn themselves around a little bit, I get to participate there. So it's a cheap way to play to the upside. Carter, how does Amazon look to you? Well, that's a classic instance of a bearish to bullish reversal, right? a stock that lagged and yet now is starting to come to life. I'd rather have my money here, it's like a Cisco, than those that are steep, uncorrected, and oh so loved. The Carter stamp of approval, Mike. What are your thoughts on the trade? Yeah, I like the fact that he's selling a put spread rather than an outright put here and putting it into a risk reversal because while he could be put the stock down at 105, he's doing so in an insured way because he owns that still lower strike put to basically offer some protection. So that basically limits the downside risk if things go really wrong. Something else, of course, I do like about it. I mean, on our side, you know, we use AI for data analysis. It actually represents about 25% of our annual expenses, and that's all cloud-based, cluster computing through AWS. So uh, they are they're collecting a lot of money from us, so they, I'm sure they are from a lot of others as well. And so that's a positive. The only downside to Amazon for my for my money is that on the retail side, they really haven't delivered. Even when retail was running hot, they didn't seem to be able to make any money in that. And of course, now as retail is weakening, it's got to also affect them to some degree as well. All right. Up next, we are driving into Ford as the automakers uh, team up with Tesla. Supercharged ways to play the name straight ahead. Options actions back in two. Welcome back to Options Action. A very positive week for Ford. Here, jumping on the news, the automakers teaming up with Tesla to use the EV maker's plug charging technology. The deal gives Ford owners access to more than 12,000 of Tesla's supercharging stations across the U.S. So how are you handling Ford's stock on this news? Mike, what do you think? Yeah, so Ford was a long-term holding for me. I actually blew out of it in April, and I, I think this is a very positive development for Ford. Uh, whether or not we're going to see a whole lot more strength out of it, it's it's kind of hard to say. I mean, it seems to me like this is as much a benefit for Tesla as, as it is for uh, Ford, probably more so, actually. Uh, my thinking is that if you're thinking about getting into it, maybe sell, uh, you know, some close to at the money or slightly out of the money cash covered puts. Uh, you know, this is a name that has some implied vol in it. Uh, you'll be collecting a little bit of yield by doing that. Um, if you get put the stock, you get to own it at a discount to the current stock price and, and therefore participate. I think we'll have to turn to Carter, though, and see whether this is really going to be the beginning of a new breakout, because it's been in a prolonged downtrend. All right. There's the question, Carter. So, so just to be clear, right, Ford, it's, not a, it's, it, it's a bond, right? It has a 5% yield. Ford Motor today closed at $12.09. On February 2nd, 1987, 26 years ago, it was $12.09. Okay, so... Adjusted for inflation, you lost about 85% of money, but it's paid a big dividend all along. The time to buy Ford is when it is the NVIDIA of its day. When everyone else has a horse and you've got a car, you are AI, right? But that's not what this company is anymore. This is a mature business that sells cars at a break even or a loss from time to time. And again, the stock is the exact same level it was in the first weeks of 1987. It is a bond, it is not a stock to invest in. Would you trade Ford, Bri? 
Yeah, I, I love Mike's trade. Sell downside put. Keep it simple. It is a bond. It, it just struggles to get out of the bottoms here. Valuations look really nice, and my analysts keep saying buy it, and we're always like, yeah, I don't. It just sits there. It doesn't really do anything. It can't get out of its way. It can't really innovate as well as a Tesla. So sell a put. You know, maybe if you get put to it down at eleven dollars or something like that, I'd be willing to buy it. All right. Up next, your tweets and the final call. Welcome back to Options Action. Time to take some tweets. Our first fan asks, Broadcom has had a massive run-up this week in light of NVIDIA's strong reporting. Thoughts on a play into earnings on the first possible pullback? Brian? You know what? I'd rinse and repeat what I did with NVIDIA in terms of buy a put spread, protect yourself for next week for the earnings event. The stock was up 11% today. If you spend 1% or 2% on a put, no big deal. So I would rinse and repeat that play and, and hang on to it. We added to Broadcom a couple of days ago. We really like that stock. So I think I continue to hold it to the upside. All right. Our next tweet asks, where do you see Bitcoin and Ethereum heading from here? Carter, we haven't been asked about cryptocurrency in a while. What, do you, what are your thoughts? Yeah. So uh, the dollar has rallied considerably. And uh, I think you fade the dollar here. By contradistinction, the dip in Bitcoin and Ethereum, I think they're viable. All right, we got time for one more tweet here. This one asks, is there a rule of thumb for selling cash-covered puts on a dividend-paying stock you would like to own at a price lower than its current price? How far out should I go comfortably? Professor Ko, what do you say? All right, not through earnings, first of all. And so actually using our Ford example from before, look for levels of support as well. So that's probably about 11 bucks there. And I also like to collect about 1% of the strike per month. And actually, that's approximately where a one month 11 strike put on Ford would get you. So levels of support, 1% a month, avoid the catalysts. All right. It is time now for the final call ahead of this three-day weekend. Carter braxton It's not ironic that we talked about Cisco. At one point, it was the most valuable company in the world, and now it's a mere shell of itself. It is bottoming. NVIDIA, one day will look like Cisco. <laughs> Brian Sutton. Uh, with Memorial Day, it feels like the start of the summer, but I'm going to just use Amazon and play that summertime to the upside, buy a call, sell a downside, put spread, cheap way to play to the upside. Mike Co. Cisco calls to get, make a bullish bet there and call spreads in Lulu. All right, that does it for us. Have a great holiday weekend. We'll be back next Friday at 5.30 p.m. Eastern Time. Meantime, Taking Stock with Mike Santoli starts right now. Options Action is brought to you by TD Ameritrade where you gain access to research tools to help you sharpen your trading strategies. All opinions expressed by the Options Action participants are solely their opinions and do not reflect the opinions of CNBC, NBC Universal, their parent company or affiliates, and may have been previously disseminated by them on television, radio, internet, or another medium. You should not treat any opinion expressed on this podcast as a specific inducement to make a particular investment or follow a particular strategy, but only as an expression of an opinion. Such opinions are based upon information the Options Action participants consider reliable, but neither CNBC nor its affiliates and or subsidiaries warn its completeness or accuracy, and it should not be relied upon as such. To view the full Options Action Disclaimer, please visit cnbc.com forward slash Options Action Disclaimer. CNBC has quick and easy to understand business news updates at the open midday and close every weekday. Markets, money, and more from Wall Street to Main Street. I'm CNBC's Jessica Ettinger. Follow and listen to CNBC Business News Updates wherever you get your podcasts.